Hey Wizards and welcome back to the Wizards of Econ podcast. This is Naomi, I am your host and today I have joining me none other than Brandon Yao. He is the CEO of Datadive and Seller Systems, an Amazon SEO expert, eight-figure seller and also he is working best Amazon private label consultant two years in a row by the seller poll. Brandon Young, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for accepting my invite. So since this is totally your expertise, today's topic is going to be product selection. And a few months back, you gave a brilliant presentation to um, at, the, at our headquarters in Miami, uh, to our Wizards of Econ location. And you really talked through the step-by-step process. How would you personally select products and what is the consideration someone should give before even investing in them? And I think this is a super hot topic. Most people, whenever they are starting on Amazon, they are failing just because they chose the, road, the wrong product and they might be very well invested in it. However, today with you, I hope that uh, we are going to be able to give a few tips, tricks, and also the thinking process behind what does really takes to find the right product. Yeah, I'm, I, I think that this is such an important topic because one of the main reasons that I see sellers fail on Amazon is that they chose the wrong product or they chose the wrong design. And so... What we've developed is a way to choose the product, but based on data and real numbers. Because even if you look at the way people start businesses, generally the reason they fail is because they build something that they thought others would want or because they want it themselves or because they like it personally and they have a bias towards it and they're passionate about it. But what they end up doing is they go and spend a lot of money building something and then figure out later that no one wants it or they don't want it as much as the current solution. And so you end up with a problem where you have uh, on Amazon specifically where you'll have a lower click through rate and a lower conversion rate than the competitors that are, that are showing up on the search results. And therefore, you have trouble ranking the product. And when you can't rank the product and you're relying on poor performance with your pay per click, you're losing money with every sale and it becomes an uphill battle. And so I've seen it many times. I've experienced it myself where I've been biased. I've chosen products that I may not, uh, probably shouldn't have. Uh, and I haven't tested the product enough with real audiences. And so what I want to do today is just try to get people into the right mindset of uh, how to think about product selection, what different things to look at. And maybe uh, that will help them to be more successful. It'll increase the chances of success, increase the profitability. 100% let's do it. That was my very first question. Walk me through the process. What is the mindset one should adopt when searching for their first product? So let's do it. Yeah, so the foundational mindset is that you would need to understand that Amazon is a search engine and it's not uh, a marketplace. And so when you start to think about how there are hundreds, if not thousands of ways people will will search for a given product. And fundamentally, when you break those different keywords down, let's call them keywords, there's 500 different search terms or keywords someone used, you can start to break down that into additional data and information. And you'll start to see patterns, you'll see repeated words and phrases. And we call those repeated words and phrases roots. And that's really important for us to understand is what are the different ways someone searches for a product? So I'll give you an example of a product. If you look at a toiletry bag, 
Many people throughout the world call toiletry bags many different types of names. And so therefore on Amazon, you see different amounts of search volume with the root words that are used. Someone might call it a travel bag. Someone might call it uh, an overnight um, an overnight bathroom bag, a bathroom bag, a dop kit. Um, and, you know, hanging, there's hanging as a, as a, uh, an additive to that as well. So there might be a hanging toiletry bag. And the, the point being is that if you didn't know that, if you didn't do the right keyword research and really dig into the way people are, are currently searching for the product, uh, you wouldn't know to write those keywords into your listing. And therefore Amazon wouldn't know those keywords are relevant and therefore you won't rank for them. And so you have to understand a couple of things. The first being that Amazon is a search engine. The second is that you need to always ask yourself, how are the current sellers getting their sales? And if you can answer that question about one seller, you have a little bit of information. But the key is to understand that uh, that one seller, even though they might be selling a lot of units, probably isn't ranked or indexed for all the different keywords that there's probably a hole in their indexing and in their strategy. And maybe they're not on 100% of the keywords or search volume driving sales for that product. It's very likely they're not. And mm -hmm. so what you need to do to get a complete list and an aggregate list is to take the top 20 or 30 sellers of a product, take all of their keywords that they're ranked well for and mash them in together into this giant sheet that we call a master keyword list. And once you see a master keyword list, things start to make sense. You can you can you can decipher a few major things here. The first is how many of uh, the how many keywords are relevant for that product? How many keywords are driving sales? And then what is the search volume of those keywords? And once you can see that information, then you can answer the question: Okay, well, how how is each seller doing on Amazon? How good are they at Amazon? How many keywords are they ranked well for? What percentage of the search volume, relevant search volume, are they ranked well for? And so if you look at the top 10 sellers, are two of them good at Amazon? Are five of them good at Amazon? Are all of them good at Amazon? And if and we consider someone very strong at Amazon if they're ranked for more than 80% of the search volume that drives sales for that product. And that's going to give us an idea of how much opportunity is there? So how many keywords are there? And then how much risk is there? How many of the sellers that are selling it are good, already very good at, or very strong at Amazon? And once we know that, then we know what we're getting into. We know whether we should do that product or not usually, right? Um, that's a, that's a step, phase one. Is this product oversaturated? Are there a lot of keywords? Is there a lot of opportunity? Can I sell a lot of units? How many sales are the competitors getting? And how many sales are the competitors getting with the amount of search volume they're ranked well for? And what is their average rank on those keywords? Because if you're ranked in the top five, you're you're getting a lot more conversion than if you're ranked in the top 15, right? People tend to shop from the top of the search results rather than the middle of the page. Yes. So fundamentally, there's a lot to take in there and a lot to answer, but it goes way deeper than this too. But I'll, I'll pause here. All right, brilliant. So I, I love that. And I think it's it's important. And something that I'm noticing whenever someone is super proficient and something is like, they don't even think of that someone would ask what is a master keyword list. So how would you define that? How would you define someone that is really, they are in the 80% or 
or how would you make it even like more to beginner level to explain to them, you know, because like I'm also a user of DataBay and I see the information and it's like, okay, this is what Brendan is talking about, like X, Y, Z. And in my mind, it makes sense. But how would you uh, actually say, like, how would you describe this to someone who has no idea of, about what data type is, what the master keyword list is and so on? Does it make sense? Yeah, for sure. So this was like the the strategy that we, uh, back, back in 20, we started selling private label 2016 and we had some failures, we had some successes. And at the end of the year, we had done our first year of doing private label. We did over a million dollars and we looked at the balance sheet and we had broken even, right? Mm. Uh, I think we had made 50,000 and spent 50,000. So we broke even. And uh, we asked ourselves, okay, from every single product that we, that went, that something went right, uh, you know, what did we do right? And yeah. for every single product that things went wrong, what did, what went wrong? And how do we avoid doing that in the future? Right. And two of our biggest failures were two of the biggest catalysts for all of the success we've had this year, we'll do over 35 million on, on Amazon in revenue. And the reason that we've been able to scale to 35 million in six years now, or seven years now is that, uh, we, we had a couple big failures that really taught us that we have to understand that principal question of how are we going to sell this product when it gets to Amazon? How are people currently searching for it? How are the current sellers getting their sales? And so what a master keyword list does is it answers that question. If you take the rank of every single bestseller of a product, like or the top 20 or 30 bestsellers of a, of a given product on Amazon, Really, what you're doing is you're going to prioritize the keywords that most of those sellers are ranked well for. Because logically speaking, the if you have the best sellers of a type of product all ranking well or on the first page for a keyword, that keyword is probably very relevant. And the less of those sellers that are on a keyword, the less relevant that keyword is, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's very simple logic. Yeah. And so then what we can do is we can we can sort the thousands of keywords that a product might be indexed for and narrow it down to the hundred products that they're actually driving sales from. And then once we take the hundred products from the bestseller or hundred keywords from the bestseller, the 60 keywords from the second bestseller, the 50 keywords from the third bestseller that they're on the first page and the 30, and you find that they're not all the same keywords that they're mm -hmm. actually, that there's, they're not always overlapped. Yeah. And so what we do is we create this matrix that allows us to find all of the keywords that drive sales. And so if you picture a grid and, and, and on the first column, you have all the keywords listed. And then across the top, you have all the products in their own columns. Then you can see the ranks of all of them. That's what a master keyword list. That's going to allow you to then sort by relevancy, to sort by search volume, to really understand um, what this market looks like and, and how good these sellers are. Got it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, without uh, interrupting from phase two, I think a question that would come to mind because super relevant what you were just saying, I made a million, I, I spent 500,000, I made 500. So it's like really just like coming out maybe with a small budget. A question there is like, because you are the first person that is upfront about, look, I launched a ton of products, 80% of them are winners, but 20% of failures. Is there a common pattern that you see at failure pattern, at failure products, or is that something that you are actually talking right now about how to ensure that you have all the chat boxes fixed? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think Amazon's got a little bit more competitive. So if you if you don't lose money on 20, 20 to 25% of your products that you launch, you did great, right? Mm -hmm. If you reorder, 
if you place a second order for 30 to 50% of the products that you launch, you're doing great, right? Yeah. And the reason that we can do that is because we're going really deep into the analysis before we choose the product. It has to meet a lot of criteria. And, uh, and, and so what I would say is that for those listening, I mean, um, we have a product scorecard, but, um, you want to look at four major categories. You want to look at traffic distribution. So again, that's going to go really deep into the keyword research that we were talking about. How are they getting their sales? Uh, how many routes are there? How many different keywords are there? Because we want to find keyword, we want to find products that have a lot of different root words, like a lot of different ways people call the product, because that's an advantage that we have. We can find those. Other sellers can't find those because they don't have access to data dive and they don't know how to do proper keyword research. So we have a huge advantage of those average sellers that are just guessing. They're just writing, they're using Google or some other keyword tool that it just isn't good, right? And so we have an advantage. We also want products with a lot of different keywords for the same reason, like not just different keywords, but a lot of keywords for the same exact reason. We don't want someone to just guess, throw a dart and then be competing with us. We want to solidify our advantage by ranking for a wide base uh, base of keywords and then use the actions on all of those keywords to, to to drive high conversion and high you know more sales than our competitors. 100%. So traffic distribution is number one. Number two is profitability. Obviously, if you if the product doesn't make you money, you shouldn't sell it, right? Um, but you really need to understand what drives profitability, uh, how much money you're going to make, and whether you can. Um, whether you can sustain that, uh, if if it's enough dollars to sustain maybe a lift in uh, and, and shipping like we had two years ago when containers went from three thousand to twenty thousand, right? That that quickly ate away any products that you were selling that only had a couple dollars profit. Yeah. So we want to look at and make sure that we've got products that are making minimum of four, five, six dollars each time it sells. And that's total after landed costs and expected marketing costs. So you have to really go deep and understand the profitability. What is it going to cost me to land it? Packaging, distribution, last mile, bouncing it off of a 3PL if you need to, like a third-party logistics warehouse. Like all of those hidden costs, I want to make sure I'm making money every sale. All right. The yeah, the third category is potential. So this is going to be, do I have the potential to create an advantage over the current sellers? Can I shrink the product to uh, by a half an inch or an inch, uh, perhaps to save a significant amount on fulfillment fees from Amazon? Can I adjust the packaging? Like, are my competitors using retail ready packaging that has a lot of empty space and air in it? Can I create uh, a more efficient way to create this product and bundle it together to to save money? A potential also includes intellectual property. So can I file any design patents? Can I file any uh, utility patents? Um, are there any features for this product that are frequently talked about by the audience that buys it? If I go analyze the reviews of the competition that's out there, are people always asking the same questions? Like the questions and answers in the, the reviews. Um, is there something wrong that frequently breaks or that that people have an issue with, like uh, that I can improve and then avoid those negative reviews to have an advantage, right? So that's a potential. And the fourth thing is the competitiveness. So this will come down to how good you are at Amazon and how confident you are. So when you're first starting, you're probably going to avoid products that are very competitive. 
because you're going to be going up against people that typically are are experienced that have deeper pockets and so you wouldn't just jump into amazon and say i want to do skincare or supplements or makeup because those are full of you know killers with millions of dollars in their pocket that have been doing amazon for a long time that are very efficient that are ranked for a lot of most of the keywords that are going to be very difficult to compete against you're going to want to go into a product where maybe one or two people know what they're doing and everyone else is just okay or good and you're going to be able to to outrank them. You're going to be able to optimize your listings better. You're going to write, you're going to launch your PPC more efficiently with a more optimized listing because you use data dive or, or seller systems methods. Mm -hmm. Got it. So here, um, basically what you want to do is ensure that you go against someone who is not as experienced as you are, and you can then launch everything based on the information that you got from day to day or from your master keyword list. And that's going to be really your advantage. It's not necessarily, it's neglect. It's going to be your advantage if I understood this correctly, or would it be one yeah, of the, the ways the, to look at? Yeah, it would be, it would be a huge advantage for you to know that there are 175 keywords and you know, the, the top seller might be on 150 of them and then everyone else is on hundred, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to be able to find those other keywords, build them into your listing in the right way, uh, drive the PPC targeting them and then, and then establish relevancy and rank for most of them in the first you know week of launch. Whereas they're, they've been selling for months or sometimes years, and then they're still not ranked well. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got it. All right. We are ready for phase two. What is phase two? Yeah, so phase two uh, from a product, so you're talking about product validation would be um, once you've gone through and you've figured out that this product has good opportunity uh, and uh, the competitors aren't over, you know, too much, there's 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 um, uh, an opportunity for you to maybe uh, make a return on investment and you want to do this product, the next phase would be about designing the product and testing your design. So you want to you don't want to sell the same exact thing that five or 10 other sellers are selling, right? Like or even two or three others. You want to you want to alter the design and customize it and create make your own make it your own. So this could be something as simple as just changing colors, uh patterns on a soft goods you might um uh you you might be able to print something differently on it, right? Uh so it's going to be it's going to be something that you want to work with the factory to customize. Now Here's the key. The key is going to be find the buyers of this product or an audience that you can put your idea before you even place the order, put your idea for your design next to the best sellers, two or three best sellers, and ask the audience which one they like better and why. If you do that and your, your design is not being picked at least half the time, you shouldn't move forward with that product yet. You should go back to the drawing board, take the feedback of what they liked better about the other sellers, redo to your design a little bit, and then try again. If you stick to that methodology where you are very, very um, strict about making sure that you're winning the majority of the time, what that's doing is it's basically simulating the way that it's going to appear to buyers when they type a keyword into and they search on Amazon. They're going to see your product next to the best sellers, and they need to pick yours more than the best sellers. And if they do that, then you can outrank your competitors. If they choose you less than 30% of the time, you're going to have difficulty ranking and maintaining your ranks because Amazon's ranking algorithm takes into account your performance 
and then multiplies it times the relevancy. And your performance is your click-through rate, your conversion rate, and your revenue. So if your competitors have a higher click-through rate, higher conversion rate, and are driving more sales than you, they're always going to outrank you, assuming that relevancy is the same. They've written that keyword into their listing in the same way. Love it, love it. So this is basically testing the product if it's going to be at least as good as their competitors. In this scenario, um, I'm assuming it is this a main picture of the product or like how would you go about it? Generally, it's the main picture. So your main image, you're going to get designed before you even order the product. So you need to work with, um, you know, the factory to get some images. You need to work with a designer. You need, you know, oftentimes as you do this process more and more, you're going to have a team of VAs or designers that you can call on to do this for you. And you want to make sure this is a really good test and you get really good at making content because content is how you win. If, if someone's not going to click on your ugly image more than they're going to click on a prettier image, even if the design isn't, a, isn't as good as yours, they're not going to trust it as much. They're not going to, it's not the quality. They're going to think there's a quality issue. There's going to be something wrong in their mind. So you have to make great quality images that convey the value of your product in a way that shows that you're going to be better than the current bestsellers. And that's a lot to overcome when you first launch, when you don't have any reviews and they might have hundreds or thousands. Love it. Love it. And this is kind of like a working backwards mindset that that is the outcome. So I, I love Always. that. Yeah, yeah. Love that. All right. So phase two is proof of concept. Phase three. Phase three now is ordering samples, uh, making sure quality of the product is legitimate, right? So it's going to be validating the quality of the factory you found. Uh, you're going to order samples. You're going to order your competitor's products. And you're going to hold your product in one hand and your competitor's product in the other. You're going to feel the materials, feel them in your hand, feel the weight of them. You're going to look at the packaging that your competitor is shipping, that your, competitor, your main competitors are shipping in. Again, this is where you can maybe see if there's opportunity to improve your ROI, more efficient packaging, better design packaging. If it's a giftable item, you want the packaging to look really nice. You might want to test images that has the packaging in it in that case so that people think, oh, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to buy that because I know it comes in a good package and I want to give this as a gift, right? So that could increase your conversion rate. So there's a lot to think about with product development um, at this point, but it's more of a quality assurance making sure that you got the right factory, that you're building the product with the right materials and that you're, um, you're, you're checking all the boxes there. And even then, you're going to do a post-production inspection before it ships out from the factory. And you're going to make sure that you don't ship a product that has a lot of issues with it. The reason being is that uh, all it takes is a couple bad reviews in the beginning of a launch to kill the, kill the entire opportunity to make money in that whole order. So you could lose all of your money or most of your money by getting a few early negative reviews. And so you, this is this is the big, mo a really important step that a lot of people will skip or breeze through. 100%. And I love that you also mentioned that I think that most of people, like they are just like super excited and they completely, either they trust the factory, either they don't even know that this is a process. So inspection, I also 100% advice anyone do the inspection you know even if you're doing it here in the states do the inspection because otherwise that is a, a process a normal process that anyone would do like any big companies are doing that why wouldn't you think like them so love it all right is there a phase four not for product validation the next after that you're going to jump into uh content so content's going to be all of the rest of your your images so you need infographics 
You need, uh, you know, images that convey a really important uh, thought or feature that that buyer, you need to understand your buyer. Mm -hmm. Who is the person that normally buys this? What are they looking for mentally to buy this product? So everyone, every shopper before they buy something has a checkbox in their mind. If it meets that, if they check that box, they're going to buy your product. So you need to understand your buyer and what that checkbox is for your product. Your, your secondary image should always be the features and benefits of that product to that buyer to make sure it checks that box. Mm-hmm. You should have a few infographics explaining more about the features and benefits of your product. And then you should have some lifestyle images. You need to get those designed. 100%. What's often overlooked is the importance of writing your listing. And so this is a major part of data dive for a reason, because you have to write your listing upstreamed from good keyword research. If you don't take the keyword research and write your listing, then you're gonna have you're gonna be no better than that that guy you analyzed that was only on fifty percent of the keywords, right? So you need to understand how to take all those keywords and write a listing that maximizes your rank potential for all of the keywords, and that's an art and a science together, and uh, and so uh, that that's a really really important step that I think a lot of people will skip because if you if you create the listing without a preserving the honeymoon, which is another whole conversation, making sure that the launch date and start date in their future. So you don't have any negative history and you don't write an optimized listing. You're, you're going to struggle with convincing Amazon's algorithm that you're selling a certain type of product on certain keywords. You're not going to be able to rank on certain keywords. hundred percent. And also this strategy, this is why I also love data dynasties. We just discovered it constantly using it is because those same keywords you can implement in your title in your bullets and also in your ppc strategy something that most people are not even thinking about is ppc well ppc is going to cost you way more if you don't have if you don't even index for those keywords you know so this is why yeah so so relevancy really impacts your 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 organic rank but it a lot of people don't understand like you just said it really impacts your ppc rank as well because relevancy is also a multiple uh, that that is multiplied times your PPC uh, campaigns or your keywords in a way that it, it impacts what what's called a quality score. And so if if Amazon thinks you're trying to force a product onto a keyword for, to run ads, they're going to charge you a lot more per click because they don't want someone searching for dog food and seeing dog bowls. They want people to see dog food. And so uh, even though you have dog written in your listing and you've got you know, bowl somewhere in your listing, it's not going to tie it together and think that you're selling dog bowls. And if you're not selling dog bowls, you shouldn't show up, right? And let, so they they might let you push it through if you're paying $20 a click, but really you should be paying a dollar a click, right? And so the way you write your listing impacts how expensive a launch is, your ability to rank on it organically, and the performance of your ads. 100%, 100%. And I, I love that you also acknowledge that usually most of the time whenever like because on the PPC side, we also like offer services. And this is the first thing. Yes, we are helping the PPC, but you know, PPC goes hand in hand with SEO. And if these two are not together, you know, um, you are going to pay a lot or a lot more than you should. So I love that you also use- I love the fact that as, as an agency, you guys understand this at such a high level because this is complicated to a lot of people. There's a lot of people listening that are 100% lost and it's understandable, right? This is, this is like- uh, for selling on Amazon, I like to say is four college degrees in one, right? 100%. You have the data analysis and the product analysis. Then you have product development and design. Then you have uh, content writing and uh, and listing writing, and and then you have marketing. 
So supply chain and logistics in there as well. And then you have marketing. So you have PPC and you have ads and you have to look into the data and you have to do optimization. So there's, it's, it's a complicated, hard business, but it's solved, right? Mm -hmm. We've solved it, but it's hard. And a lot of people don't like to do things that are hard, which is why it's such a great opportunity for those of us that do. We can make a lot of money doing it. But those that are good at one thing, maybe someone's really good at design and um, and and it has an uh, like an artistic brain, right? Is is uh, very right brain? Maybe is it left brain? Left brain is art. Uh, right brain, left is analytic. Yeah, left is analytic. Right brain. So they're very right brain. Maybe they want to just do product design all day mm -hmm. and really love doing the images and the content. But they need someone on their team that can do the PPC, write the listing and optimize it and do the SEO. And then they can they can hire an agency like you who, you know, understand it at an extremely high level because it is very hard. Yeah, it's funny, though, like when we started like four years back, we were all of that. We were the PPC agency. We were the designers. We were everything, you know, and yes, it's amazing that you can do all that, but it requires 24 seven, honestly, you know, so wearing so many hats, you become an expert in it, but afterwards it's like, all right, well, now it's time to outsource everything. So yeah, I love that. Brandon, are there any common mistakes you see newbies making when approaching this mindset product sourcing? Yeah, I think a lot of people, um, they don't spend enough time communicating with multiple potential factories. They don't get enough samples and they don't order their competitors products. Mm. So what they end up doing is uh, and they don't they don't do con uh, inspections like we just talked about. So if you're not if if you're if you think you're getting a really good deal at getting a product for two dollars and your competition selling at twenty five dollars and you think it's the same product, but you don't order their product to verify, you know, there's a big issue, right? You not having domain knowledge is one thing, like it's okay to sell products that you're not an expert in. For us, it's the data that makes the decision not being an expert in every single thing we do or having, you know, it's it's more of a we're data driven. But um, we still will take the time to order the competitors products and understand w why they're doing well or why they're not doing well. 100%. Are there any questions I should have asked and I haven't? I think this is already making people's uh, ears bleed. So <laughs> I love every time when I'm making people's ears bleed, that means that I, I am on the mission and I just successfully made my mission a reality. So thank you so, so much for being on. So to be super respectful of your time before we are wrapping up, I would like to ask you three wrap up questions. First one goes like what is your $50 or less investment that you recently made in order to become even better at uh, product sourcing? So specifically at sourcing. Oh, that's interesting. Um, there's free. So $50 or less is free. Alibaba has a new program that they put together uh, where they will introduce you to factories. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you've proven that you're a seller, like you have to already be a seller, you can't be a, new, a complete newbie. But if you if you've got a little bit of experience, if you reach out to Alibaba through their white glove service and tell them the product you're looking for, they will match you with uh, up to three factories directly. With, they'll verify that they're factories. That type of white glove introduction is worth so much time and money that um, it doesn't cost anything. And, and I, it's amazing. So, yeah, do that. Awesome. Awesome. What are your top three favorite books and why you love them? All right. Uh, this is a good one. Uh, 
Let me pull them. Let me pull a couple from the shelf right behind me. Sounds good. And to those who are not seeing what I see on my end, so Brendan literally took like a case 10 books or five big books, and he's now going to present them each one by one. So over two and a half years ago now, maybe maybe going on two and a half years, we hired a CEO coach. And it's because we were hitting a wall. We were hitting, we were getting to that 10 million mark in revenue. And it was really hard for us to get past that. And the reason that it was hard to get past that is because we needed to know how to run a real company at that point, right? Mm-hmm. You need to become a real executive. And you mentioned working backwards. So um, if you're really, uh, the first the first foundational book, I would say is like Measure What Matters. Uh, this book is um, John Doerr. Now, this is going to be the fundamental idea of working backwards and understanding the uh, the principles of setting goals, figuring out what the leading activities are to achieve, to move the needle towards that goal. So it's about KPIs. It's about getting teams to work together, but also getting everyone aligned on a, on a singular mission and goal. And a uh, very fascinating story because it was uh, it was basically implemented within Google and one of the main reasons for the success that Google has as an organization, which is phenomenal. Um, so there's that one. And they use something called OKR, so objectives and key results. Now, what's interesting is once you read like four or five business management books, they're almost all the same. They just call them something different. So it's mm-hmm. all the the main theme is working backwards, setting an objective and and measuring the, the leading activities. They call it uh, OKRs, uh, but that's really, uh, really fascinating. Uh, the the other one is that Harvard has uh, the, Harvard has a, a book series that they call the Twenty Minute Manager, and uh, they've got I want to say twelve or fifteen of these now, maybe twenty. Like they they keep releasing them, and it's it's supposed to be um, a book that you can get through. They say 20 minutes is no shot. It's like it's like an hour, right? Uh, I, I guess I just don't read as fast as everyone else. <laughs> The reality, the reality is it takes you an hour, hour or two to read it. And then, um, but this one's really great. It's about running meetings. Uh, as a manager, I'm often like the the person that would always be the, uh, the visionary and the doer. And so uh, I, I just put my head down and I get frustrated because I don't give, uh, as a manager, I wouldn't give clear um, instructions or KPIs or, or, or uh, define success, right? This is, these are bad habits. And so understanding that, Hiring A players, identifying what success means to that person, and then uh, and then being able to have regular check-ins with them to make sure that they're hitting those daily activities, those leading activities, that makes you a much better and more successful manager. And so the meetings, it's it's first of all working backwards, understanding what the objectives are, what the leading activities are, and then having the meetings to check in regularly. So uh, running meetings was the 20 minute uh, book there that that is really good. And then um, ah, there's another one that's not here, but seven habits of highly effective people is good. And atomic habits is good. Um, I wish I was a little bit more disciplined with some of my habits. Uh, Yeah, but measure what matters is really good. I would probably start there. Really cool. Thank you so, so much. So Final question, how can people get a hold of you and your services? Oh, last thing. 
There is a book if you love Amazon and you want to hear their story and how Jeff Bezos is an incredible like operator, insanely good operator. And then the the management principles that they have within Amazon to be able to scale not just one business to a billion dollar valuation, but like several, like all of these different things that they've launched that have become like insanely successful. Whereas other companies like Microsoft and Apple might 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 struggle sometimes with new business ventures. It's um. It's called the actual book is called Working Backwards. Mm-hmm. Love it. And it's a By fantastic Colin book. Yeah, 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 yeah. Loved it. I initially thought that you're going to talk about that book, but it's it's good to know that there's yeah, yeah. That was such yeah, yeah. a good book. I don't I don't know why I don't have it. I, I, maybe it's not here. It's somewhere else. But I do. I have. Um, maybe I only got it on Audible. I need to. I, I listen to a lot of books on online as well. Yeah. So. Back- Clearly, our listeners can see that you're super passionate about books because you have like just brightened up. So I love that. I love that. Thank you so, so much for sharing that. Is there any other books or can we go forward with how can people no, get the whole So I, I have a whole list, but it, it's okay. Uh, we can move on. I, uh, <laughs> what's interesting is uh, I think as I've, as I've become more successful, uh, a lot of it has driven from like my habit of listening to audiobooks and to reading more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I noticed that that's a clear pattern with a lot of very successful people. Um, and I, I used to not read as much like after college, I stopped reading for a while. And I think that I really fell behind because of that. I think you have to get into a habit of reading. And um, what was interesting is I was just listening to a podcast um, recently and it was Tim Ferriss's podcast. Um, He's an incredible entrepreneur. I'm not a big fan of the four-hour work week. I think that I think that there are some principles there about hiring VAs and stuff that are real. But I work seventy hours a week. Don't don't give me that bullshit about working four to four hours a week, right? Yep. Um, <laughs> so, but he was um, he, he had Bill Gurley on, and Bill Gurley is uh, from Benchmark Capital, one of the most successful investors in the history of investing, like up there with Warren Buffett, and um. Throughout this interview, that's only an hour and a half long, uh, he lists like 12 books that he recommends. So the whole time I'm listening, I, I was listening to this, this on a plane on the way back from Vegas. I was listening and every five minutes he was like, oh, and by the way, this book, like he, he mentions, like, he's like, you got to read that. Or the, uh, this author mentions this in this book and it's true. His ability to recall all the things that he read is, is phenomenal. It's probably one of the reasons he's one of the most successful investors and men in the world is like that, that ability to recall and retain what you read. But uh, the fact that he was so active at just accumulating knowledge, uh, I think that's what really separates a lot of people. So uh, he, he mentioned like 12 books, but um, I just started reading one called Build, which is about frameworks. And I, uh, I, I've really, really enjoyed it so far. But check out the podcast, I think, is probably the best thing with Bill Gurley and uh, Tim Ferriss. But anyway, go ahead. 100%. Yeah, I also was listening for a very, very long time for Tim Ferriss. Um, at some point, actually, a follow-up question that it's not in my notes is, do you think that I see here as an entrepreneur, it really requires you to adapt as soon as possible, as fast as possible to anything that comes. In the same time, with adaption, uh, like by adapting to new stuff, new information is available as well. So here, just a, a quick question to you. Do you think it's rather accumulating always new information or having strong roots in maybe five books, 10 books that you're going to do everything or seeing everything due um, because of those books or because of the principles from those books? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm I'm more of a data guy and I, I make decisions based on new information constantly. And you have to be very nimble with Amazon. Amazon's always changing, right? Yeah. 
I mean, just in the last four years, we've seen three major algorithm changes and like three major terms of service updates. And, and so you have to uh, obviously always be taking in new information and willing to change your opinion based on that information. It's a stubbornness of people that uh, leads to their, their failures a lot of times, I think. 100%. Love it. All right. Last question. How can people get a hold of you and your services? Uh, so our free masterclass that walks through that product validation, it's a three-hour class, is on sellersystems.com. You can just scroll down and look for the free masterclass button. Uh, and then there's a full college-level course. Uh, if you use... Um, uh, the uh, the code that we've set up with you guys in the past. Uh, I know that uh, we did wizard. I think it might be wizards. Yeah, I think or it's, or it's either wizards or o o w o e. But I'm not sure. But I'll like we can double I think check. It's, I think it's w o e. Okay, w o e. Yeah, yeah. And then that'll save you a thousand dollars if you want to join my full college level course in mastermind. We have twelve hundred sellers, four hundred seven and eight figure sellers. We do five to ten live classes a month. Very active community. It's awesome. If you want to join that and then, uh, or just data dive, uh, W O E or wizards, whichever one it is, uh, will save you $50 a month, uh, on data dive. So it makes it just a hundred bucks a month. And, um, you can go to data dive.tools. You can look up my, my, my name and Amazon on YouTube will lead to my channel and a bunch of uh, information on Amazon and then the free masterclass. I think that's the best way. hundred percent. Brenda, you were an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much. And now I am really just like, why did I have you even earlier on the show? But I certainly hope that you're going to join us again. You have a lot of knowledge to share. And this was just a bit of the knowledge that you can share with our audience. So thank I'm you always happy me. and I appreciate you having me on um, uh, anytime. Anytime. Good. I'm going to take you up on that. <laughs> and to our lovely and dear listeners, much love. See you next Wednesday. Because I'll be back. Take care. Bye-bye.